welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Hannah Churtis, uh, Laurel Oki, and Friel Alstead. Thanks again. Thanks a bunch. I really appreciate this. I, for the first time, I feel like massively the old person in the room, which is, um, I guess that's just where I am in life now, but uh, I still feel young inside. So every time I look in the mirror, I'm surprised. Um, the the readings were really all over the over, over the map um, this week. So while while the sermon was on Obadiah and Edom, and it really is um, focus on relationships and, and not just national relationships between Edom and Israel, but the but the Jacob and Esau relationship. It, it really kind of sets the stage, and so that's what we're talking about this week. We're talking about. Uh, relationship reconciliation of broken relationships and as you know before we we started and trail made trail made a really good point of uh, the same types of of principles or thoughts go into avoiding those um those breakups or those those uh you know destruction of relationships as well so uh why don't we just get started and um in no particular order, if someone wants to jump in, what stood out for you this week? Were, were there was there a reading or a couple of verses or maybe thoughts that were like, yeah, that that hit or made me think or you know was convicting? What any anything in, on those lines? Um, I'd say I thought the um, I think it was Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the reading on um, the master forgiving the servant, but the servant not forgiving his fellow servant. Um, I thought that was interesting and I don't know if it's a unique choice, but it was a, it was a good other point to be considering as we were looking at like restoring relationships. I think I like Triel's point that it's kind of how to prevent a relationship. But I think a lot of the things the readings focused on this week were like relation maintenance. So what does that mean? What's, I mean, relationship maintenance. So here, here's the, here's the part, right? So every, every relationship has at least some, some bit of an arc, mm-hmm. right? There's the, like at the beginning of any relationship, you don't know the other person, right? Hopefully at the end of the relationship, you know them really well, but actually a lot of times it goes the other way and it goes to, I don't know you very well. And, and so the, the break, if they break with you or, or if there's a break in a relationship while you, while you still know them well, then there's probably a, a problem there but a lot of times what ends up happening is it goes the other way it goes towards not knowing well again so um the maintenance kind of assumes we've done this upward arc but how do we actually get there because that's part of that as well what uh of a healthy relationship whether that is with jacob and esau although part of that jacob and esau thing for me is and maybe i'm getting up far afield how dysfunctional their parents are like, um, I always looked at it going like, you guys are letting them do this. Like, what, what is wrong with you? Anyway, sorry, that was way off. But um, so what do you guys think on that? Like, like, how do you actually get to the point where we are trying, where we're, we're trying to have a healthy relationship? How much of, how much of, reconciliation or maintenance is actually just implementation of what it takes to start one it's a very deep question to start off <laughs> <laughs> yeah bam maybe let's step back a second let's identify what it is whether it is maintenance 
or starting or reconciliation? What are the things that are necessary? You have to have a motivation and like the way the relationship goes depends on the motivation you bring to the relationship. Like, are you motivated to be nice to someone because, oh, they'll give me good notes if I miss class? Or are you being nice to someone like your significant other's sibling because they'll be in your family one day? Or are you just nice to the person on the street for the sake of being nice? And if you're just kind of looking at a relationship as a means to an end, unless your motivation changes, I don't think you're going to have like no, no amount of like maintenance is going to fix a relationship if it's just like means to an end. Is a, is a relationship uh, romantic or religious, spiritual, what have you, um, always mutually beneficial? A good one anyway. And, and I jumped right into that. I went to motivation. You know, like, what do you get out of it? Assuming that the other side is thinking the same thing. I feel like it should be mutually beneficial, but that doesn't necessarily mean that each person is getting the exact same thing out of the relationship as the other person is. I think that's where that balance comes in. And the first word that came to my mind after motivation was a patience, um, like a mutual patience. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that can be um, a beneficial foundation to kind of see what the other's motivations are to to talk through it in that communication um but i feel like you know just that mutual patience of okay we are going to enter into some sort of relationship let's figure it out and talk about it i feel like that can that is how that upward arc can can begin right and that and that the characteristic of that relationship can change it might you know it might be friendship it might move into something more it might not but what what is the patience Explain that a little bit, Triel. Is, is the patience, um, is it a waiting to see? Is it a, is it a allowing to develop? Like what, 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 what are you being patient about? I feel like there's definitely a, a development um, aspect of it, of not trying to push or um, speed something up that doesn't need to be sped up. Um, you know, letting time take its its moment and letting God work in that time um, and not trying to play God in the relationship of, okay, no, this is my timeline. And God's saying, no, it's actually my timeline and you need to be patient and sit back. Um, And I think the other patience part is, it comes back to the forgiveness part of it a little bit of being patient with each other as you both grow individually um, in either your spiritual life or, um, any other aspect of your life that you recognize that you are two individual people still, but you're entering into this um, friendship, relationship, mentorship, whatever. Um, and so understanding that as each of you grow, there needs to be a patience for each other and for yourself um, to I part, maybe partially like relearn each other as you're growing, accepting that maybe you are growing in different directions. And I think that Maybe and that's where we could steer into, is it a broken relationship if it's something that naturally grows apart? And is that something that requires reconciliation? Or is that one of those things where maybe it doesn't need to be reconciled if it does kind of naturally split? That's I wrote down several notes on that kind of throughout my readings this week. Um, so that's where my brain took me and where the Holy Spirit guided me. But. Okay, well, then let's go there. <laughs> what, um, I mean... 
let me give you full disclosure. I mean, one of the things that, so I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to trap you later, but um, what's interesting to me about this is that when, when you read through scripture, you know, you get a relationship with God, whether it is the church and God or, or us individually with God or, or what have you. Um, there's all kinds of relationship metaphors and, um, uh, you know, symbolism, whether it's a, it's a parent relationship, father, son relationship, uh, is a marriage relationship. It's, a you know, uh, it's a friendship. It's a King's subject. I mean, there's all kinds of these relationship, um, illustrations to try to, to, to try to, uh, help us understand, you know, how we interact with God. So on, on the one hand, while we're talking about currently, we're talking about, um, you know, human friendships and, uh, you know, could be professional relationships, romantic relationships. It can be friendship related, whatever. We're talking about human relationships. We still are made in the, in the image of God and a healthy relationship. There's going to be a lot of application that will eventually move back towards how we understand our, our relationship with God. So by the time we're done today, I'm, I'm probably going to move back whatever we decide on or whatever we explore here. When we go back, I'm like, okay, well, how does that apply? So I don't want to, I don't want to back you in the corner on this, but I do think it's really important um, to dig into things that we understand better, even if not perfectly, um, which is how do I deal with my friend or, or what have you, or, or potential spouse or, or whatever. Um, and then how does that actually apply then to how I deal with God and my relationship there? So anyway, that's, uh, I, I didn't want to, as I come back later, I didn't want to feel like I was ambushing the conversation. So keep that in mind. Um, but, but let's go back to trio. Like where did your, where did your brain go? Where did your, your heart or, you know, the promptings go? A lot of it, I'll admit was, um, there's some personal struggle with it of I come more from the belief that if a friendship does break um really evaluating what led to that break um and then I was I was grappling with it and I'm sure I'm not the only one either talking here or like who's gonna end up listening that feels this way but feeling that okay well if I can make peace with myself about the situation and ask God for forgiveness for what I've done in the friendship or relationship or whatever, I don't need to go back to that person because one, it's going to open up old wounds or it's just going to recomplicate things. Or maybe I really don't want to re-spark that friendship, but I just want it to be reconciled and then come to a, maybe like a cleaner close. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of it was kind of like this grappling of, you know, I mean, he says, I think it was in the Matthew 18 reading of like, how often should I forgive? And it's seven times. No, it's like 70 times seven. It's, you know, just always forgive the way that God forgives you. And that's so hard because, you know, part of me wants the, if I have been wronged, I want the other person to know that I've forgiven them. But the other part of me is thinking, well, no, I want to get on my high horse and I was wrong. So why should I forgive them? I'm, I'm going to take this road. And, and then God always, he always humbles me. He's always, no, Triel, I, 
I forgave you. <laughs> I forgive you every single day for everything. And, um, and then always comes back and, you know, you sit with it a little while and you're like, yeah, I, I, I should forgive. I, <laughs> I know, I know that. <laughs> um, but that was something that I was more struggling with than having any answers to of if a relationship does break, why does, why does it have to be reconciled? I guess. Yeah. I feel like with that, um, with that thought, like, I feel like the Bible, like it's more, or like the passages this week, I feel like we're more about like with the relationships that you're currently in, like how to like act in them. And I guess didn't necessarily see like, well, I guess there's like like reconciliation with just like forgiving people. But um, other than that, it's just kind of like on your part, just like whoever's like you're in a relationship with, just like love them and like just like the different ways to treat people well. Um, I don't know. No, I think I I think that's that's good, and I actually think they're they're the two. What you're talking about, Hannah, and and Triel, what you're what you're wrestling with are actually um, overlapping. I mean, I think specifically about the prodigal son uh, reading uh, was Tuesday and Luke. But let me ask you, rather than just saying what I think, let me ask you: Is repentance a prerequisite for forgiveness? Like on your part or the other person's part? I'm I'm talking about on God's part. Because I think we can take a we can take a I mean if, if God's gonna set that that standard and, and listen, we haven't even gotten into like the verse where it says be perfect. I'm like, yeah, well okay, no, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Um the 70 times seven is probably not gonna happen. It, it, it's really like here's the bar. So let's let's talk about the bar first the is repentance a prerequisite for forgiveness are you talking like having a repentant heart or like repenting with god before figuring out the like forgiveness like where are you putting i don't know you tell me i mean let's just go back to like um you know eight-year-old sunday school jesus dies on the cross forgives you for for your sins and not get into the 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 minutia of theology which because we understand that the, we we will never have a perfect understanding of this or maybe not never but at least not in this life so i'm not i'm not trying to write a treatise on theology here but basically we have to get come up with this idea that or one way or the other we have to come we have to reconcile this idea that jesus died on the cross for all sin we can say that not everyone is forgiven we can also say that yeah um so i feel like there's a right there's a there's a conflict there yeah Yeah. i feel like um you can't maybe receive forgiveness unless you ask for forgiveness and you're not going to ask for forgiveness unless you like repented so is there a difference between being sorry and being repentant yes you can be so like sorry. remorse versus repentance yeah because repentance just means like turning away from like what you were doing and turning towards like whatever's right um and like you can feel sorry like for something but or like you can like 
if I hit my sister, I can feel sorry that I hit my sister, but unless I go up to her and ask her to forgive me, um, like I won't be forgiven. And I'm not gonna go up and ask her um, to forgive me unless I feel like, like really bad and like like I actually did something wrong and like I do like want to like that right to, or that wrong to be righted um and I feel like you just like you don't go ask for forgiveness unless you like have some kind of like deeper heart change than just like oh I'm sorry you, you would hope so right <laughs> but on the other I guess I guess the the piece for me is and maybe this is more because uh um I'm a parent I mean, heck, my kids over and over again have wanted to be forgiven without really being repentant. That's true. That's a good point. That's true. Like, I, I don't want the consequence, even when I still want to do what I want to do. So you're saying that somebody can't be forgiven if they don't ask for it? So I feel like there's like a third component of forgiveness. There's like the person coming and asking for forgiveness or not. The person doing the forgiving but can the person doing the forgiving forgive in their heart mm. without somebody coming to them to ask for that forgiveness i think that's a good point i think like you can only be forgiven if the other person forgives you and like that just kind of depends on what their qualifications are to give you forgiveness like what they require in order to give you forgiveness and like um like that like the verse like forgive like 70 times seven times blah 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 like those people probably aren't like really repentant um, they're just saying sorry but we're just called to forgive and that's kind of an image of how god forgives us like so maybe well but he does call us to repent so i don't know if that's a great hmm. it's it's hard it's really hard so and and i would say Triel, i like so i you know when i was in my late 20s maybe early 30s somewhere too long ago to to matter um I had, uh, I'll just say a person, it was a professional relationship, but I had a person who just really, man, I just didn't get along with. And um, I'm, I'm old enough now to know that probably wasn't all her. <laughs> um, but she, she definitely did some nasty things. Um, and I... I I firmly uh, forgave her without ever having a relationship reconciliation with her. So do, and, and I literally, I mean, I, I do not have any bitterness toward her at all. I mean, it, I, I really think it was a, it was a God thing. It allowed me to, to forgive her. Um, there's no repentance on her end at all. Uh, uh so what i would say is yes i think I, I and i do believe this is this is the tension that um that we we sit with with the cross i do believe that jesus died for all sin i i do believe that um it, it's not just like the the you know we pick and choose well oh hey you repented of that so that one's forgiven and whatever no no Christ died and, and God forgives. But I also believe that there is, there's two components for forgiveness and, and hopefully I'm not stepping on heresy. Um, I think there's a diff there's, there is the forgiver and the forgiven 
And I don't think you can actually receive forgiveness without repentance. I think it's a receiver issue personally, not a, not a giver issue. I think, and I might just be thinking into oblivion of a book that Desmond Tutu and his daughter wrote called The Fourfold Path to Forgiveness. Mm. And one part that they talked about was sometimes you have to forgive others for your own sake. And that like carrying the anger and the hurt isn't going to do anything different. Like they either think they've been forgiven or they don't care and they've moved on. And if you continue to carry that, then you'll never be able to heal from what, you know, the transgression. And I think in a sense that is suggesting that like there is forgiveness without repentance. And if we're made in the image of God, then perhaps there's a similar dynamic at play. But it's also hard to put like our human emotions and our logic, like see that like reflected on God. Like, I don't know how far we can take that kind of reflection or analogy. With Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, le and let me, let me call out, this is, this is really, I think there's a real danger in, in trying to be too linear and too one-to-one -one with this, this stuff. I mean, we're really looking at kind of general principles, not, um, not like, well, this is how it works, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. I guess, I guess one of the things, and this is kind of going back to uh, Triel, what you made me think of. So I'll go back to the prodigal son. Um, and I know it's a parable. However, the guy's eating pig slop and he's saying, he kind of is like realizing what he's done. But not only that, he then makes a commitment to, um, to like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going back to my dad. I'm going, and I'm not even trying to, I'm not even trying to actually reestablish my son father relationship. I'm just going back completely repentant, right? It wasn't a, I'm going to say sorry, so I can get, which truly actually isn't repentance, right? That is, that is trying to achieve forgiveness. That's a different thing. But he he truly the, the model there is truly repentance. I'm not even trying to get it. I'm just going back. You know, I just want to be treated like one of his workers. The 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 beautiful piece that is always described in that is how the, the father runs to the son in that in that story. Well, well, that would mean that that the father it would indicate that the father had already forgiven to be prepared to run upon sight. And it was just waiting for the repentance of the son yeah. or was at least ready to receive the repentance of the son. Notice that the father didn't go find him. Yeah. Right. And force the, the forgiveness onto him. Right, kind of like what you're saying. Do, is, is there a is there a a requirement to go reconcile every relationship? I don't know. Probably not. But the hard part is being available and to receive it when it's when true reconciliation is in front of you. Yeah, that's good.
Yeah, so maybe it's like being like on your part being willing to reconcile, but then like, you know, you can't force anybody to do anything. But like on your part, you can just be ready in your heart to like be able to like reconcile whatever relationship and like be ready to forgive. Yeah, and maybe that's part of the patience thing too. The, I mean, and it is the, you know, as, as Laurel said earlier, the motivation, there's a mutual benefit there, but there's a patience involved in that as well, where you don't have to, you don't have to make it happen, you know, because sometimes it takes a really long time and maybe it never happens for people to be ready to reconcile or, or to truly repent. I got another question for you. Um, the, uh, I got two questions. One is from the from the love is patient. Let's 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 go there because it's probably a little closer to what we're talking about. I've always loved these the first Corinthians verses: love is patient, love is kind. Um, love keeps no records of wrongs. And I and and this is again, I I think we know what that means. You know, you don't hold grudges or what have you. Does God keep a record of wrong? Not if he's forgiven it. What if what if you haven't repented? Then it's there on the record. What? Then it's on the record. Well, by like purely, you know, eighth grade Sunday school logic, if God is love and love keeps no record of wrong, I don't have an answer to that, but I, that's how, I think that's how I would like to think of it. Um, that would seem to indicate again though like I feel like we wouldn't like need forgiveness then if that was like 100% true because then you know what would be there what would be there to forgive there's no record of no of any wrong besides nothing wrong because there's no record and there may be a translation issue in in this as well but but you kind of get to all right well either God doesn't love those people Mm. or he doesn't have a record of wrong for anyone my guess is it's not as linear again as 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 this but it does i think it does it does raise a question of god's heart i think for me it's it's much easier for me to understand god's uh, it's much easier for me to reconcile god's view of love and forgiveness than it is for me to say well he withholds love from those who don't repent this reminds me of um the verses in john chapter 15 starting in verse 9 it says as the father has loved me this is jesus talking as the father has loved me so have i loved you now remain in my love if you keep my commands you will remain in my love just as i have kept my father's commands and remain in his love I have told you this so that you may have, so that your joy may be, so that my my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So it's kind of same thing of that. So tell me what, what you think that means. I think, um, like you saying, like to remain in my love, um and which kind of indicates that you can like not be in god's love 
And so like there's requirements to mm. receive God's love in a way, which is an uncomfortable thing to think about, but. I mean, it brings it back to that kind of two sides of the equation. I mean, obviously it's a relationship. I mean, we're, we're talking about relationships. There's no one-sided relationship. But even with love, then there has to be a receiver and a giver. And it can't be complete without both. And we keep coming back to this, this two-party system. <laughs> I don't mean it politically. <laughs> um, we, we, we keep coming back to this. Like, can you have forgiveness without both parties? Can you have reconciliation without both parties? Can you have love without both parties? I don't think reconciliation can necessarily occur without two parties, but I think forgiveness can. Because sometimes even if a relationship breaks down and there's repentance with the apology and there's forgiveness, it doesn't mean the relationship is gonna be restored. Right. Have you ever been there? Forgiveness without restoration? Or what needs to happen for, for the reconciliation, for the restoration of the relationship? Again, patience. But. I think reconciliation and restoration would be separate. I don't think they are necessarily lead to the same end. How so? Yeah, I think reconciliation and restoration in a relationship are going to be they look different because like when I think reconciliation you you can say like you can reconcile differences and still part ways like you can come to a point of accepting like we come from different backgrounds we come from different understandings we process life differently how that happened there may have been an upset or a hurt or a harm and you can reconcile the fact that I'm sorry, my background and my understanding yeah. is harmful to you and vice versa. And you can have that moment of like, maybe we don't meet in the middle. Maybe we aren't friends or in a relationship the same way anymore. Versus restoration would be like, we come from two different sides. And despite that, we're going to maintain this relationship. But I think that's difficult because it can become toxic if one or the other person isn't changing or if one person comes from a negative or damaging background and i think that's when the forgiveness and the reconciliation can become like one-sided yeah that's really good so so if um if that isn't present if that if that like i don't want to keep saying repentance but yeah. right if that's not present is it more loving to leave the relationship broken? I think even if you do, you might not stop hurting. Wow. Yeah. And I think even when you do have a loving break to a relationship, whether it's for good or for bad, like you guys are, maybe it's like a high school relationship and you're going to college on a different side of the country. That can be a conversation and it's like, well, I love you. We just got to part ways and it still hurts. And then there can be relationships where the relationship ends because it had to, and it's not positive and it still hurts. Yeah. There's pain in a break one way or the other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how you said it, but, but it, it made me, me think in terms of forcing the relationship and, and you said it becomes toxic and i, I agree with you I, I, I mean relationships do become toxic when you when you're trying to force them to 
to to restore when it's not you know there hasn't been that repentance or reconciliation or, or, or an re word um is it makes me it it becomes easier for me to to deal with god's willingness to let us go our own way as i think about that trying to force someone into a relationship that doesn't want to be in that relationship and and, and they may not even they may not even say it that way but the reality is if if um if it's about me and not about us i don't want to be in the relationship i just want the benefits and i i can't force that person it's not a relationship i can't force them into it yeah and i think that's like i think the difference between like our relationships with other people versus like our relationship with god like all our relationships with other people kind of like points us to like it gives us an example of kind of like our relationship with god but the difference is like you know some relationships with people like can't be restored like there's just like for whatever reason, like it's just like they can't be restored but with god that's never the case they can always be restored um because we're never like like god's never gonna turn his back on us like he's never gonna like be so hard-hearted toward us that he can he like it's it's all on our end and like we have all the control in our relationship in a sense with god um because god's just ready to receive us um and so like we're like it's never the other way around um like with our relationships with other people sometimes we're on like the right end or and the other person's on the wrong end or vice versa but with god like um god's always on the right end and he's always um willing to accept us and so like we have um like that's all he's always feeling like the struggle of like wanting like his children to come to him and like them not being willing to come to him and so like that's like always his position no matter what so it's easier to be to put ourselves in the position of god in the relationship of the wronged and the and the the noble patient person waiting for you know the other party to recognize the error of their ways and to right it's easier to be on that side Mm -hmm. the reality is is that both with our human relationships as well as our relationship with god is we are often on the other side we are the ones that we want the benefit we want it our way we're the ones that have broken it or at least contributed to the breaking and beyond repentance. I mean, repentance is important. How, how do you, or what do you need to do to make the step towards reconciling a, a good relationship? I mean, that's the thing we have with God is we know that, that if it's reconciled or if it's restored, it's a good relationship. The other, right. It's not a question that's much harder with humans, but, um, but when you're on the the repenter side, or at least you share it, what what what's what's needed to to make the steps towards that reconciliation or restoration? And I really I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say again. I thought the the patience thing at the beginning was really uh, I think that's key. But maybe the step like into the, that also like the relationship. 
relationship and like what was what, that? Sorry. I really also just kind of depends on the relationship and what's happened and like it might be different for different relationships depending on what exactly has happened to cause the strain so that's kind of what I'm what I'm trying to get at though but what there's there's always going to be differences but what are the things that are the same across relationships and I think patience is one of those things but what's necessary for patience Love. Love. Yeah. Broad I, mean, term, I feel like. Really hard to even want to have a reconciliation or a restoration without love, for sure. What's necessary for patience? I mean, as a prerequisite for patience, I think passion. Passion. Compassion. Well, compassion. For the other person? Yeah, I'd say so. Or empathy or sympathy, you know. Just kind yeah. of issue words. Maybe you have to be able to see the other person's side. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think you need hope that like there is something that you're waiting for mm. patiently. Yeah. Hope that it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Trust. I was gonna say trust. And I, I I wanted to clarify trust though, because I feel like there's two there's trust between yourself and the person. Um but I think that in certain cases that that needs to be developed and that should be almost like a cautionary of, you know, have the hope, have the compassion and the patience, but understanding that that trust will come over time. So I feel like it's um, patience and trust can go back and forth about which one comes from the other. Um, but then I, I think the more important trust component is between yourself and God and focusing on that relationship of, okay, I trust that God's hand is in this relationship. And so praying that God will give you, or like trusting that God will give you the patience for whatever will come of, of the relationship with the person. I feel like that's a really good point, Trielle. I feel like we've been talking a lot about like, what can we do to help our relationships? But like, I, like we need to like be going to God in prayer for our relationships because God can actually, he is sovereign enough to like help our relationships and like, he can like change people's hearts and like, that's in his power. That's not in our power, but it is in God's power. And so like we have that ability to go to God for that. Even with our relationship with him, right? I mean, heck, I pray for that all the time. Like soften my heart toward you. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, and that brings me back to love. And maybe this will be yeah, one of the last things. What's love? We just like, we just throw that word out there, right? We just throw that word at you know, like, hey, love, God's love. We should love. Love is the, love is patient. Love is kind. We do lots of descriptors. And then we say it's necessary. But the English word is so poor. <laughs> what, what is it? When we're talking about this, at least in this application, what is what is the thing that we call love that's necessary here? I feel like the Bible talks so much about it because it's hard to describe briefly <laughs> uh, or like with just like one definition. Um, I think there's like many definitions, but um, one of my favorite verses, which I think is like kind of relates um is Romans 12 10 it was in our readings and specifically from the NRSV version I had to look up the version because it wasn't like it's not a common translation but yeah. it's the one that I had like always remembered it by um and it's 
love one another with mutual affection and then this part is the part that i liked um outdo one another in showing honor um and i just like that because um i don't know it was just kind of like it it gave like and i kind of the way i like interpret that is like i sometimes interchange like honor and love um, or like i see that as like a way to love somebody like outdo one another in showing honor and just like I like it because it kind of makes it a competition <laughs> um, and just like kind of rising above your differences to like, like love is something to strive for and like yeah. in whatever like definition you use for love, like it's something to like strive for and to like attempt to excel at. <laughs> I'd say it's something that um, I really like that. I mean, one of the things that I landed on as a, at least a, as a piece of love is you have to you have to want whatever the object of love is you know you, you have to want that person you have to want their best more than you want your own right they have to come first or before right and there's nothing wrong with like have showing love to yourself or you know and things like that but the reality is is my love for my wife can't be subordinate to my own desires or it's not love. Like I can want good things for her, but if every time my good things and her good things are in conflict, I choose my good things. Not sure we call that love, which one of the reasons it makes it really hard to love God, I think. And probably why trust is such a big deal. Can you love someone who's not, worthy of that position you put them in in your life right that's a lot of power you're giving somebody when you when you love someone and so you, we can trust god that won't abuse that power won't abuse that position but that's tough with other relationships and you know there's it's a spectrum but okay the only other thing I had that was really on my mind on this, and 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 I'll leave it open towards the end, um, really does come back to the 70 times 7 and the be perfect as your father is perfect. And it seems like an impossible standard. Why even say that? Like, why even give a standard that is impossible to reach? Because I feel like you're, God is telling us, hey, you can't do this on your own. But when you partner with me and when you are in relationship with me, I can help you get there. I, you know, I can help you. Maybe not in this life, but that eternal life, you know, we will have that everlasting love. And I, I think that it's more of the point of not that God's pointing out our human imperfections and our human inadequacies, but showing that you are not complete without me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like just going off of that, even. Um, I think it's like, I, I recently did like an outreach event, like I went whiteboarding and the question that I had people answer was, are you a good person? And I got a lot of yeses than I was expecting. And so I feel like we tend to think we're better than we are. And so I think Jesus is trying to humble us and be like, no, this is like what's required to actually be perfect. And like, it's a crazy high standard that no one can meet. Yeah. And luckily we have him right to, uh, to do it for us. It's- that way okay um i really really appreciate you guys joining um this was 
it's it's probably a little bit closer to home than some of the more theoretical stuff that we we've talked about even though i do tend to move that way that's just the way my brain works but uh it was i really appreciated and really enjoyed getting your guys' perspective on that so um thanks for joining uh and with that let's pray and we'll uh wrap it up for this week dear lord god thank you so much for your love god thank you that you wait patiently with your arms open for us to to want that relationship that you have ready for us thank you that you're worthy of our trust and our love thank you that you're patient and you're understanding and you're forgiving and thank you that we can't reach that standard and we don't have to earn it. God, thanks so much, Lord. Walk with us as we try to walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.